Hey, gang. Welcome to another exciting episode of National Bugle Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network, rbnrepublicbroadcast.org. It's the ray of sunshine of free speech because <coughs> dark, cloudy winter, there's a ray of sunshine. Uh, there's still free speech out there despite all of the censorship. And there's a lot of censorship on major platforms, but all of is on the platform. And as long as it continues, you will hear... Uh, you will hear voices of free thinkers and free speakers, like myself, Paul Edward Stevenson, who's going to join me. And uh, so go, go to republicbroadcasting.org, click on the donate button, send the fundage, or mail it to 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas, 78664, or phone it to 1-800-724-2719, extension 3. And I can tell you, the, the, the fundage is badly needed. We're, we're saying it for a reason. So uh, keep that ray of sunshine going. Okay, Paul. How are you doing? Top of the day? So I thought... Oh, yeah, top yeah. Day, I think, Paul. Yeah, top of, top, top of the day to you too, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Top of the morning to you. Still, still in the morning over there, isn't it, where you are? It is still in the morning. Yeah, that's why top, I see Top of the morning to you. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we've got some stuff going on. We have a few things to talk about. We got uh, the Navalny business, which had only just broken last time we spoke. We've mm. got the UN Security Council vote, and even George Galloway coming back to Parliament. So, uh, uh, what do you want to start with? Well, we can talk about Navalny because obviously it literally had just broken. I think. 10 minutes before we spoke last time and you know my initial instincts were and thoughts were that well this guy's in prison you know it's it's a cliche isn't it oh look at those evil uh, dictators they imprison their uh, uh, political opposition well you know if that's true uh, there's a reason why they uh, imprison their political opposition so they're no threat so you have a guy who's uh, in a prison and not just in any prison but in a pres- prison in a very remote area somewhere uh, in Siberia, and yet apparently Vladimir Putin is uh, so threatened by this individual that he had him killed. So that's the first point. But since then, of course, we've had this coordinated, uh, synchronized media campaign. Uh, well, certainly I know from uh, in the UK, you've had every uh, mainstream media outlet, the Sun, the Mirror, the Evening Standard, the Independent, the Times, the Sunday Times, uh, everybody and anybody who has a voice of uh, uh, expression in the mainstream media has been, uh, you know, putting forth the same narrative. Evil Putin, this guy's a murderer. We had Zelensky call him a murderer. Irony of all ironies, who, you know, when it comes to imprisoning political opposition, etc. So, you know, if, if you think like we do, um, you know, we, we just assume, really, you know, that this is a, a psyop, essentially. So let's ask, well, what's behind it? You know, because this is on the heels of Tucker Carson doing an interview where essentially uh, Carson committed the uh, cardinal sin of humanizing Vladimir Putin, which is what that interview actually did. He humanized him. Mm-hmm. And that is the whole you know, has been the whole propaganda against Putin for the last two years is to dehumanize him. So I guess uh, him being a cold-hearted murderer and, uh, you know, churning, you know, bringing his wife out. She's been all over the media over here. Too. I don't know where she's over there, but his heartbroken wife has been given heartfelt messages about how she will continue, quote, the fight uh, against uh, Putin. So... Now you have, uh, you know, Putin being uh, you know, humanized again, really. But at the same time, he, uh, initially I thought, well, this is a distraction, you know, apart from dehumanizing Putin again, it's a distraction from um, Avdeevka and the failures there and other things. But really, I think maybe maybe you'll comment on this and, uh, you know, give me your uh opinion on it but i think they've used it as much to try and get this uh, money pushed through the congress as much as even using it as a distraction from Avdiivka because you know they have talked about Avdiivka and um 
again, they've used that as an, you know, as a, an example of how this evil Putin uh, is. Uh, once he's finished in Ukraine, he's coming coming for the Europeans next. So I don't know whether they've used it as much as, as a distraction as they have to try and churn up, uh, you know, momentum for this. Uh, bill in the Congress, which is now not going to be dealt with for a couple of weeks, I believe. What do you think? Well, so already you're having uh, Tucker Carlson is being blamed for the fall of Avdiivka, which uh, that seems reasonable. Yeah, Biden <laughs> is saying, well, Biden is saying that I guess Biden is saying that the uh, maybe Tucker can blame for the the Democrats in Congress or the Republicans in Congress are being blamed for off the because uh, they the Ukrainians stopped fighting once they heard that there wasn't going to be a vote on more funding. It was it was something mm. along those lines. And uh, it's, you know, and, and that just that gets ridiculous. Uh, but the it, it does seem as if just getting back to uh off the FGA, the the funding, the narrative that the the Democrats and the Biden administration is putting forth proposals that aren't even aimed at salvaging the, their Ukraine ambitions. Um, they're they know that they know that they've lost, and so now they, they've switched to uh, trying to figure out a way to shirk the blame for it. Right. Well, we could have won, but we could have won. But the Republicans, they cut and run. They were cowardly. They were Putin collaborators and they they stopped the funding. Otherwise, we totally would have won. So don't blame us. Don't blame us for Ukraine. That's that's what they're aiming for, because Ukraine is lost. Um, of course, it was it was lost within it was lost the day that China said they, they weren't going along with the uh, sanctions, which was within what was that within a week or two. Um, they, mm. they, they refused to go along with the sanctions and and there was no future. There is no way that um, the, the Ukrainian army was going to win. So you got that with Navalny. Uh, you know, there's all the things that you've mentioned about Navalny. Navalny was uh, a he was never all that popular. And Brian Borletic at the New Atlas, who's who does a lot of good research, he doesn't talk about Jewish power. And when asked bluntly about Jewish power, he deflects, which, you know, so, and I say that, you know, he's, he makes a living at this and people who, who do make a living at it, people who have a YouTube channel and I, I, he doesn't monetize his YouTube channel, but he reaches people through the YouTube channel and then asks for uh, crypto or other donations. Um, but well, you cannot, you can't, uh... Yeah, I mean, I know from experience that you can't have a YouTube channel when uh, talking about Jews. I mean, they will yeah. censor your channel for other things and everything else. But I know from from experience as far back as 2017 and 18, when I yeah. did some very forthright videos about uh, a Jewish power, well, they they attack you very quickly. Yeah, and you know, back in the aughts, David Duke had a very successful YouTube channel. I don't think it was. I don't know if it was monetized. I don't think it was monetized. So did Mark Collett. but he. Yeah. And I'm talking about, and I guess Mark Collett too. I'm not sure how, how long his goes back, but I, uh, before David Duke started his, his daily show on in 2012, before that he had been doing like in 2007, 2008, he was doing these great YouTube videos. That's, that's how I really became familiar with him. And mm. they were, they were very much to the point. He was doing them on, on like every week or every other week. He was, and there were a lot of work too, and they were and well done. And some of them, uh, he had the one on gold. What was something in Goldman Sachs, CNN, Goldman Sachs, and the the global matrix of Jewish power, or something like that. And you had people from from European parliaments who were who were um, uh, posting it on Facebook and things like that. So uh, once upon a time, you could talk really freely on on YouTube, but it. It certainly got censored. So you got censored 2017, 2018. My channel was shut down in 2019. I was I was recycling my RBN shows on YouTube, and I I had about I I think I had about 400 up. So that's about a, what a year and 
maybe maybe at 500. I think I had 500. I had about a year and um, it's eight months worth of shows up, and mm. uh, they got they got showed. They got taken down. Maybe it was 400. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. I did, about four. Yeah, I, I did one back at the time saying that uh, globalism uh, is basically international jury. That one, I remember putting that up, and it got it got uh, it got like uh, hits uh, from uh, the authorities very quickly. I think within about three weeks, <laughs> that one that one was taken down. And then I did interviews, of course, with Andrew Joyce, and uh, that caused more problems. Uh, it's a shame, but well, now they've got, yeah. they've got AI. They've got AI, and I know for a fact you can you put up a a uh, video even in a foreign language, even in a non-English language. And if it, if it criticizes Jews, uh, it will be taken down before it gets 20 hits. It will be taken down automatically. It, it could be a tiny channel. It doesn't matter how small the channel, it doesn't matter how few the hits, the AI is, is looking for certain words. And I know yeah, well, I can tell you, uh, Larry Johnson and possibly um, a more unguarded moment about a month ago, uh, said in a video that uh and he was been pretty emotional uh but he said that uh something like uh you know that israel doesn't have the right to exist and more or less it, it has it you know it, it's, it's got it coming uh what israel's doing and he was he was very angry and i i looked the next day and that video was gone <laughs> you know well i mean as a matter of international law there is no right to exist for a state. The Ottoman Empire didn't have a right to exist. The Soviet Union didn't have a right to exist. Yugoslavia didn't have a right to exist. The United States doesn't have a right to exist. The, the, it, and it all it completely flies in the face of, uh, for instance, the, the uh, what do you want to call them? The liberal uh, foundations of the United States, the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence says from time to time, in the course of human history, something like that, uh, uh, the people decide that they they need a new government and they, they can create a new state. So the right of a state to exist is completely contradictory with uh, the right of self-determination of people. If, the, if people decide that they don't want to live under one state and want to live under a new state or a different state, that's the, that's the whole principle of self-determination. There is there's nowhere in international law that a, a state has a right to exist. And I, I did this as a project about 20 years ago when uh, Amazon, when um, Google was pretty new. I I put in right to exist in quotes and then or I just put in right to exist. And I got like five million hits or five million. What is it, you call them hits? Five million results, five million results. Then I put in right to exist in quotes and Israel. And it was like 4.6 million hits, almost like 90 <laughs> plus was about Israel. And then I put in like right to exist uh, and <coughs> Yugoslavia and maybe like 5,000 hits. It, there was nobody cared when Yugoslavia fell apart. Nobody cared when the Soviet Union fell apart. There was no business about, well, it's got the right to exist. There wasn't. But it is. So it's, it's all a fiction. It's a fiction of Jews when they keep talking about it has a right to exist. It doesn't have a right to exist. No state no. has the right to exist. And I think the real bet noir of mine uh, in our day, ideologically, uh, stroke theologically, stroke eschatologically, is this assertion. Uh, you know, even even from people like uh, Douglas McGregor. Now you have the this, the centrist right over here, uh, the far edges of this world, and I think they are unique in their continuous support of everything Israel does. It's not the right, the right or what they would call far right. It's not the left. Um, it's these uh, holdouts in the centrist rights and their media mouthpieces over here, which are usually, when you look at them, you know, funded by uh, you know Zionist oligarchs, who have this continued support of israel you know you had farai yesterday condemning prince william because the royal family are supposed not supposed to be political but prince william put a, a statement out yesterday that he hopes that essentially i'm paraphrasing that the violence will end he did mention the atrocities of october 7th he did mention that he hopes the hostages will be released and 
but essentially just said that you know far too many people are dying and humanitarian aid needs to reach the uh, the Gaza, the Palestinians in Gaza and and Farage comes out and condemns uh, Prince William for being political i mean these people uh have really i don't know they're really uh seem to be out of tune uh with pretty much everybody else i mean you, you know if farage if you go back a year ago he would have aligned himself very much with tucker carson and uh candace owens and uh douglas mcgregor and all these people who are essentially you know in quotes conservative center right figures um they would have been considered very sort of normal in their views in the 90s uh you know and and yet mcgregor doesn't agree with them You've got the whole panel of people on, like, Judge Napolitano show who doesn't agree with you're them. About, you're talking about agreeing on 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 Gaza. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, people like McGregor, uh, Carson, you know, they can all see what's in front of them. I mean, this is not normal, uh, what Israel's doing. You, you know, it, it, it's like it's a complete blind spot. It shows just how ideologically married they are to their positions when they continue, regardless of... 30,000 Palestinians being dead, regardless of all the evidence, they still have the, you know, the temerity to talk about hostages and to talk about October 7th. Of course, that ignores all the evidence that we've, we've, uh, that's emerged since about October 7th, uh, let alone evidence that they, you know, let that particular incident go ahead. In fact, you had a Labour Conservative over here who was rounded on. And of course, you've had, you know, Keir Starmer in trouble of uh, having to, rein in these uh, anti-Semites and his party and of course the Labour Party hasn't changed they're a party of anti-Semites because you had one of the Labour councillors said just that he said that the Israelis allowed this atrocity to go ahead and essentially you know so they could conduct you know an ethnic cleansing operation under the pretext of fighting Hamas and I agree uh, wholeheartedly with him I think that's what happened but you know I, I, even even Douglas McGregor when he, when he's talking like, you know, back to to the point that you're making about having the right to exist, you know, Douglas McGregor will say he'll condemn it wholeheartedly. But then he'll say, and I support Israel's right to exist. I support the Jewish people having a homeland. Well, and you hear this from Christians all the time, and they, they seem to think this is a reasonable position. Well, well, why is it a reasonable position? I mean, oh, you see, because the Holocaust, they were it was a very horrible time for, for these Jews uh, in Europe. But... I ask you, are all the Jews in Israel? No, they're not. There's still a lot of them in Europe. There's still a lot of them in, in the United States. There's still a lot of them in a lot of places, even though Israel exists. There is no better place, no safer place for Jews uh, in the world today since this Holocaust narrative. Nobody can say a peep about uh, Israel. Israel is allowed to do what it does. And if anybody condemns them, well, they invoke the Holocaust the whole time. So this idea that, you know, Israel... Uh, well, I support the Jews having a, having, a, having a right to exist. Yeah, but you don't, you don't support the idea that maybe Irish people or the British uh, can have a home for themselves. That has to be shared with the whole third world, you know? So, okay, there's a, you mentioned some people who, Keir Stammer, who is the head of the Labour Party, and is, at this point, pretty certain to become prime minister within the next year. Next, I wouldn't be so sure of that because of this Israel situation. Okay, well that's interesting. So, uh, um, and I don't follow British politics that closely, but uh, the I, I just heard Alexander Mercurius commenting on a few things, and uh, from what I understand, the, the UK is has admitted its economy is in recession. Uh, the the Living standards have been falling for a while, so the economy is in recession. Uh, the the whole Ukraine thing has has been a disaster, and the the there were a couple of by elections recently, and the uh, the the vote for the Conservatives for the Tories collapsed, and so there doesn't seem to be any prospects of the Tories hanging. 
Well, in the merry month of May, now from me home I started, left the girls and two were nearly broken hearted, saluted father dear, kissed me darling mother, drank a pint of beer, me grief and tears to smothered enough to reap the corn and leaf, for I was born, got a stout McLeod, a banished ghost and goblets, a brand new pair of brows to rock, the love of the bogs and fighting all the dogs on the rocky roads, a double of one to three for five, up to hair and turn her down the rocky roads, and all the ways to double and wife for all the dogs. In Mullingar that night I rested them so weary, started by the light next morning, late and dairy, took a drop of the pure to keep me heart and strength, and that's the paddy's cure when there is up for drinking, they hear the lasty smile, laughing all the while, happy curious tales would touch a heart above and they asked me, was I hired and wages I required till I was almost tired of the rocky road to double and one to three for five, hunt a hair and turn her down the rocky road and all the way to double and make for all the double and next arrived I thought it's such a pity to be so soon deprived of you, I'm done for Teddy then I took a stroll, all among the quality, all the litmus towel in the neat locality, something crossed me mind when I looked behind, no wonder could I find upon me stick a water and fire and after the rogue, sat me come the sprogue, it wasn't much in bow it on the rocky road, to double and one to three for five, hunt the hair and turn them down the rocky road, and all the ways to double and make for all the dark from there I got away, my spirits never fail and landed on the cage just as the ship was sailing, captain at me road, sat that old room hardy when I jumped aboard, a captain flew for paddy down among the pigs, did some hearty rigs, I played some hearty jigs, the water round me bubbling when the holly head I wished myself was dead or better far instead on the rocky road to double and one to three for five up to hair and turn them down the rocky road and all the ways to double and make for lolly da the boys have lived but paddy's cure when there is up for drinking they hear the lasty smile laughing all the while at me curious tales would touch a heart a problem they asked me was I hired and wages I required till I was almost tired of the rocky road to double and one to three for five up to hair and turn them down the rocky From there I got away, my spirits never failing Ended on the cage just as the ship was sailing Captain at me rowed, said that old room hardy When I jumped aboard a cab and flew for paddy Down among the pigs, did some hearty rigs And played some hearty jigs, the water ruined me bubbling When the folly head I wished myself was dead Or better far instead On the rocky road, to double and one to three for five Up to hair and turn and down the rocky road And all the ways to double and make for lolly The boys have lived but cruel when we safely land and to call myself the fool I could no longer stand it blood began to boil Templar I was new as impure all there in Zile they began abusing Harami so else as I'm a shillelagh I let fly Galway boys were by and so I was a howling with the lower hooray the joy and in the affray quickly clear the way for the rocky road to double and one to three for five hunt the hair and turn her down the rocky road recently and the, uh, the, the vote for the conservatives for the Tories collapsed and so there doesn't seem to be any prospects of the Tories hanging on to their parliamentary majority that they've had ever since David Cameron was elected. When was that? Like a dozen years ago or it was uh, two, I can't five, remember. 2000, maybe 2009, 2010 Cameron came in. So, well, essentially okay, so you had, yeah, yeah Blair, essentially you had Tony Blair coming back to power with a different name. Well, yeah. Okay. So Blair, I mean, Blair had retired. Gordon Brown was, uh, I guess did he overlap a little bit with Obama, and he, I think the he was at the end of end of Bush. Bush left in twenty two thousand nine. So you have Gordon Brown for a couple of years, a forgettable character, and then then you've had Tories ever since, uh, a succession of them, and um, they're they're going out the, they don't have much of a chance, and by default it seems as if and you you have a. Uh, a perennial third party called the Liberal Democrats. I guess they're descended from the old liberals of the uh, 19th and early 20th century. Well, they had a which coalition. Used to be yeah, they had a coalition with the Tories initially with David Cameron when he first came to power. It was a coalition between the Lib, Lib Dems and the Tories. Yeah. But, you know, Patrick, and they're, they're, they're all, all the same. They're all, yeah, I mean, they're all Blairites. Yeah. 
and I and I'm not saying there there are any difference between them. Uh, and so they're not doing well. And then you've got a Green Party that's that's not doing well. And the only and it, the only popular politician it, it seems is this Nigel Farage. And you just brought up his sickening stance on on Israel. And and he is he's he's of that whole gear. What's the guy's name in Holland? Geert Wilder. Has he? Become, yeah. Has he become prime minister yet? His, I don't his know. Party, party no, no, know. he hasn't. No, no, he hasn't. Um, but yeah, there, there, that, that whole uh, far eyes movement, Geert Wilder, that that other little oh. young Dutch girl who's very ambitious over there, talking about the farmers all the time, somehow managed to. Uh, it's quite pretty, I guess, but I can I can sense her ambition, which I find rather odious. Um, whatever her name is, you know, these people are all of that ilk, and they they all seem to get very confused. You know, when it comes to uh, their own national interest, because it's it is this kind of centrist right crowd who stand by Israel no matter what. And and I think that you know it probably sounds pathetic of me to say. Well, I think they are genuinely Islamophobic. They buy up all the Zionist propaganda. All Muslims are bad. And uh, we've got a fight against Islam. Apparently. And, uh, you know, so this is like, you know, it's a deflection from who we're really fighting. You know? Yeah. And then you got, I, I guess you could throw in uh, Prime Minister Maloney and Prime Minister Viktor Orban from Hungary. So oh, yeah. 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 And then yeah, Argentina. You've got an extreme example in Argentina with this Malay guy who has actually converted to Judaism and says, uh, tear down the Al-Aqsa Mosque and build the third temple. I mean, that's really extreme. I don't know what Donald Trump would do if, if he comes back, which is seeming increasingly likely because he tried to be at least symbolically and nominally very pro-Israel. But he has he has actually a very complicated relationship with Jewish power because they undermined his entire administration and uh so i don't know what would happen with him but anyway just just finishing up on uh so on the british politics so nigel farage who is not running for anything now but the the party he's most associated with is doing reasonably well but last thing is there's this by-election coming up in some town some area that has that's overwhelmingly pakistani and apparently, uh, the Labour Party was running a a, uh, a person who then came out and said Israel is doing genocide. Well, that was embarrassing, so they had to uh, drop that candidate. I think the same thing happened to the Greens. And by default, it looks like um, George Galloway, or who's a, a Scotsman, right? Who's who is and in. in UK, you can run from anywhere, right? You can run from any uh, jurisdiction you want. So George Galloway is running in that race, and it looks like he might get back into uh, Parliament. Yeah, he might do, because you know George Galloway. Uh, you, you know, this is the other extreme, of course, because you've got you know all those people I mentioned who are sort of centrist right types uh, who who just see evil incessantly uh, in in Islam. And constantly, regardless of what's been happening, I, I guess I've decided, you know, I've come to the conclusion that it wouldn't matter if they if they killed all the uh, the Arabs in Palestine and then killed all the Arabs in uh, Lebanon and then killed every Arab in, in that region. Uh, they would still support Israel. But on the other extreme, you've got people like Galloway, you know, uh, George Galloway, it seems, would, would like to turn the UK if he could. You know, into uh, a Middle Eastern country. You know, it's it's the other extreme because of the abuse that's been perpetrated against the Middle East. He seems to think that you know, Islam is a great thing and can do no wrong. You know, so you're caught in this kind of dichotomy. If if you're people like us, where if, oh, if you don't support Israel, you must be a you know supporter of Hamas, uh, a terrorist or something. And if you don't support Israel, well, apparently you're quite happy with your country being flooded with uh, with Muslims. You know? <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any middle ground. Well, I'm a little bigger man, I'm bigger than I've been. I can teach Dora more than a little lily green. And I know I'm from the little people of Bishop to the zoo. And I know I'm by the name of old Johnny Doo. I've always been scoring, but the beggar is the best. I'm a winner, man, I'm tired. I can sit down and rest. You can beg for his dinner, he's nothing to 
support Israel, you must be a you know supporter of Hamas, uh, a terrorist or something. And if you don't support Israel, well, apparently you're quite happy with your country being flooded with uh, with Muslims, you know? <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any middle ground here. Okay, I want to go back to Navalny for a second. Uh, people raised uh, the examples of, for instance, okay, Navalny, he's a political prisoner, died in prison. Well, what about Jeffrey Epstein, or people talk about Julian Assange, who hasn't died yet, uh, but he's he's obviously, uh, oh, or a, a very good example, uh, Gonzalo Lira, who died in Ukrainian custody, but the the State Department had the right to the ability to get him out. They they could have easily gotten him out. They they even uh, got uh, Brittany Griner, the lesbian black NBA, WNBA basketball player, out of of prison in in Russia. They can get somebody out of prison in Russia. Surely they could have gotten somebody out of prison in Ukraine. But no, they let him be tortured to death. Uh, why? Because Gonzalo Lira had had linked uh, Victoria Nuland's policies, trying to overthrow Vladimir Putin, with her ethnic Jewish background, and that's oh, did why he? he was. Tortured. And oh yes, very clearly, he has a video. I, I could send you. I'll try to post the link to it. But um, it's if, if you look on uh. NationalBugle.com, you'll find it. Uh, very clear video where he, he went into, it was about 80 minutes long, I think, and he went into her whole background and her grandfather from Ukraine and her grandfather came from Ukraine and he had all these 
mental issues that he eventually commit suicide. Her own father was in, who was a, a pretty um, successful doctor and, and written a, a, a book on dying, um, but he, which is a weird thing to write about. And he, uh, he was in a mental institution for, for a year while she was a, a child when she was about 10 years old and yeah. her own mother, Victoria Newland, I, I, I think her own mother is not ethnic Jewish. I think she's only half ethnic Jewish on her father's side. I think her own mother is not ethnic Jewish. She may have converted to Judaism before Victoria Newland was born. If she didn't, maybe Victoria Newland converted so that she could marry Robert Kagan. But at any rate, the mother uh, who's still around um, after <coughs> divorcing the father, married some other doctor who was writing books about death. I mean, that is weird. And that's a weird background to come from. At any rate, so I mentioned that. But well, they are weird. I, I mean, you know. Here's, here's one more thing I, I want to bring up. So we talk about Gonzalo Lear. You can talk about these individuals who died in prison. But here's one more. So in on January 6, 2021, three years ago, you had the... Uh, the the so-called capital attack. You had the uh, insurrection, or what? What were some of the things that we were calling it? The uh, it, it was okay. And and so the capital police opened up the doors, and about two thousand people walked in, and they have gone and they've tracked down about at least half of them, and arrested. They've arrested these people, and mm. seven. Like close to 800 have already been sentenced. A lot of others are just sitting in prison waiting for trial for three years. Mm. And some of them have died in prison. So yeah. how does square up with all this outrage about Navalny? Now, Navalny, <laughs> these people were not really engaged in an insurrection. Maybe, uh, like if you look at the Wikipedia page, uh, they, they, they'll talk about the hundreds, hundreds of, you know, many hundreds of people, some of whom belong to these militia. Well, the, some of whom... You're talking about dozens. The 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 uh, pro, the uh, oath keepers and the three percenters. You could make the case that the oath keepers and the three percenters were actually engaged in an insurrection, but there there was only dozens of them. There weren't very many. The the people who wandered in when the doors were opened by the police and they who walked in and just took a, a tour of the capital. None of these people were in, engaged in an insurrection. None of these people were trying to overthrow the government. Navalny was trying to overthrow the government. Navalny. Uh, had taken uh, money from the National Endowment for, for uh, what is it called? The National Endowment for Democracy, which is this uh, U.S. government-funded organization started by two Jews. Two Jews, one of whom is super Jewy, who's who's uh, was on like the, what was it? The um, World Jew, not the World Jewish Congress. Oh, B'nai B'rith. He'd been involved with B'nai B'rith and other Jewish activist organizations. And and they they engage in color revolution. So you had this color revolution organization giving money to Navalny. You're a conspiracy theorist. So I mean, yeah, but I mean it's out there. And Brian Boletic talks about some of it, but it, it's it's not particularly um, controversial. Anyway, so Navalny was trying to overthrow the Russian government. These you got these hundreds of people in uh, prison in the United States, some of whom have already died. And nobody, nobody's making that comparison. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, well, well, I must say that I've been encouraged when I, you know, when I saw this coordinated uh, media campaign about this fellow Navalny, um, and, and we've speculated that you know this could be a you know to uh, distraction from and to kind of try and reshape the narrative after. Carson humanized Putin again, and then maybe, you know, to drum up support for this uh, aid package, etc. But when I looked at the comments, no one was buying it. You know, it was the same stuff. Uh, why don't we mind our own business? What about Julian Assange? What about uh, Gonzalo Lira? You know, and it, this was like 90% of the comments. I mean, you had some normies in there as well, you know, talking about how we need to get our army together because of this dictator Putin, you know, she had people buying it, but 90% of the people were saying Julian Assange, Gonzalo Lira, uh, what's it got to do with us? We've got enough problems. Uh, why are we giving all our money to Ukraine? Blah, blah, blah. So it is encouraging to, you know, to see, you know, people 
are are aware of these things. And I think you know, I saw this guy Constantine, somebody or other. Um, what's his YouTube channel? Unheard or something? Now he's a Jewish or not a Jewish, but he's a a, a Russian immigrant, and he's very obviously uh, privileged with his accent. You know, the Russians are very a strong accent. I find it a little pretentious that there's no uh, um, residue of any Russian accent in, in this fellow who apparently came here when he was 13 or 14. And I think he came here as a, his father was a Russian oligarch, which is, will tell you why he's well-educated and well-spoken, because our little private schools over here are full of uh, Chinese, Russian, and uh, Arab gangsters who put their children into posh schools in the UK, but he was challenging, you know, he did a video saying, what happened to Tucker Carlson? And he was basically saying, he actually used the term, quote, irritatingly, woke right. You know, that the right has gone too far now, that we're, um, you know, we're, we're, he acknowledged that there's a group of us people out there that are, uh, you know, so disillusioned with the West, but that we, uh, it's not that it's not the West that we hate. But it's the Western elites that we hate. But we've gone too far. We need to acknowledge that we still live in a country with uh, lots of freedoms. And this kind of glorification and romanticization that Tucker Carlson is, uh, you know, promoting about Russia, because he did some videos about the supermarkets in Russia are actually well stocked. And the uh, uh, the metro in Moscow <coughs> is clean and free from graffiti and junkies. And you're not likely to get shot in one of these uh metros and so his argument is that you know we've gone too far now and that we need to sort of stop hating on the west but like he said we don't hate the west we hate what it's become and more more than anything i i would say that what people hate is this constant double standard all the time we're constantly poking our fingers around the world you know can you hear me okay I hear you. You know, it's a double standard and a hypocrisy all the time. You know, when you look at Gonzalo Lira, when you look at Julian Assange, when you look at the so-called, you know, insurrection, when you look at what happens to your YouTube videos, or if you're discovered in the Crime Prosecution Service getting involved in the UK for mentioning anything about Jewish power, you know, there's so many things that that when, when you discuss them and that, that we are condemned for, uh, and yet we go around the world preaching to everybody, telling them what's what, what form of governance they should have, how evil they are, blah, blah, blah. And that's what gets people's backs up. It's this constant double standard where we're, we present ourselves, you know, ironically, has been pristine democracy. Not, not to mention, of course, uh, you know, whatever corruption and whatever authoritarian elements are in Russia, well, you've got the same and more in Ukraine, and we're funding Ukraine. We're paying for this, you know? So, you, you know, it's like someone says to me, well, uh, someone said to me recently, well, uh, how, come, uh, how come you're so supportive of Putin? And I'm like, well, I'm not supportive of Putin. And they're like, well, why do you hate Zelensky? I'm like, because, listen, whatever Zelensky, whatever Putin is, we're not paying for it. You know, Putin isn't paraded around our parliaments telling us that he's a mixture of Mother Teresa and uh, Winston Churchill, you know? That's the difference. We're paying for it. You know, they condemn Putin for all these things, and Ukraine is, is worse, and yet we support them, you know? Sorry, rant over. Okay, but, but it's, it's a good rant. I'm, I'm going to add a little bit more information to the whole January 6th thing. So from Wikipedia said about 2,000 people went into the Capitol on January 6th. 2,000 people. And then, you know, you, it, it says among them, uh, among them, uh, three percenters and, uh, and Oath Keepers. So then you, you click on that link and you see the, the like the, the three percenter page or the Oath Keeper page. The Oath Keeper page, it says that eight to ten Oath Keepers walked in. And then it, it has a, a captured communication where they were talking on walkie-talkies to each other. And apparently one of them said, yeah, we've got about 30 to 40 people here. So so maybe 30 to 40 people in total, 8 to 10 going into the Capitol. Okay, and then you go over to the 3 percenter page. <laughs> there's only been six people from the 3 percenters charged. So, which means that you're talking about 
90, if, if there was 2,000 people who went in and less than 20 of them were, were three percenter or, or uh, Oath Keeper, it means 99% of the people who went in were not in a, a uh, militia trying to overthrow the government, 99%. And some of them have died in prison. Uh, from mal from from either suicide or or mal uh, maltreatment ma neglect yeah no due process couldn't get their medications and they died so I, I'm just kicking that out there to kind of finish that up finish that thought no you're absolutely right and, and again it, it's just it's just double standard you know whatever Russia is you know it is. And that's the thing that I think that people, you know, coupled with our double standards, it's, you know, even if we were like we portray ourselves to be, oh, we're great democracies and we, we have all these freedoms, which we don't, of course. And, and that's the thing that gets people's backs up because, you know, at least Russia's honest. Whatever it is, it is. Putin doesn't pretend to be anything. You know, we have to sort of mess around uh, with things like hate speech. You know, rather than just saying, you can't talk about this. And if you do talk about it, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, you know, we have to pretend that there's a, a moral crusade going on under the guise of hate speech. This is, uh, you know, it's the same with the online harms bill over here. They have to be sort of, uh, you know, sneaky about it and uh, pretend that somehow we're maintaining our democracies and our freedoms. But, you know, we, we, we have to have limits on these things. Which is another way of saying, you know, if it's politically uh, challenging to us, then you can't talk about it. So we have to have hate speech. You know, we have laws already in place for causing harm to people or causing, you know, calling for violence or harm towards people. We don't need these hate speech laws. These hate speech laws <coughs> are all about censorship. So we're kind of, you know, we're so disingenuous. And that's what gets people's backs up a little bit more, I think. Uh, whereas I think if you're living in Russia, you know. What's what? And quite frankly, you know, even if we had the freedoms that we present ourselves to have, I think I would be happy to give up a certain amount of freedoms uh, to live in a country which is a little bit more serious about Jesus Christ, for example, in my opinion, in my, you know, in my position, you know, uh, a country which is actually serious about the Orthodox Church in Russia uh, would be more appealing to me than, you know, I would give up a certain amount of our apparent freedoms, I think, you know, but that's just my, my view. Well, the thing is, we, I mean, we don't have freedom and uh, I guess you could say some of it's been given up. Uh, when was the last time people were able to talk uh, freely about, about Jewish power? How, 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 when was the last time people were able to criticize Jews? openly without without adverse consequences well i um i mean they obviously were in the 20s and the 30s and i guess you could still do it in the 50s um but in my lifetime not so much um well it's so the same thing know. patrick it's the same thing you know with this whole israel situation you know it has been uh, part of Christian orthodoxy for a long time. Uh, you know, that Jews are the enemies of the church. Paul talks about it in, in, in the scriptures. He calls the Jews the enemies of the gospel. And uh, when people are talking about Israel's right to exist, I mean, to me, Israel's presence in that, first of all, the name Israel to me is an abomination. You know, Israel was always God's people, which if you b believe Orthodox Christian theology, were Jesus Christ's people. And so these people, you can get arrested for spreading the gospel in Israel. They're, they're under no covenant with God. And so, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it, it's indicative of the intense indoctrination and menticide, even among freer thinking Christians, that they always must assert, even like people like McGregor, well, I support the right of Israel to exist. Well, why? You know, if you know anything about Christian theology and eschatology, there's a very strong parable in the scriptures where it basically states that the reason that God kicked the Jews off that land 2,000 years ago was because they killed Jesus Christ. This is you know, a, very clear in the scriptures that that's the reason. It was a judgment. They killed all the prophets. And then the final straw was, that, you know, they killed Jesus Christ. 
sacrifice and God sent in the Romans to destroy them and kick them off that land permanently. In fact, there's a parable about it called the parable of the workers in the vineyard where it compares the land of Israel to a vineyard. And it talks about, you know, how God tried to cultivate this land and there was no fruit born from these people. All they did was rebel and spit in the face of God and, you know, worship satanic idols and everything else. And at the end of this parable, the conclusion is that the air came. In other words, they killed you know, worship satanic idols and everything else. And at the end of this parable, the conclusion is that the heir came. In other words, they killed all the people that the, the owner of this vineyard, I'm sorry to bore you, but no, I, God I, sent these. Huh? I, I'm familiar with it, but, but please continue. Yeah, so God sent all these, uh, essentially he sent his people to go and see what's happening in this vineyard that I've purchased uh, to see what's happening here. 
And every time these people turned up, uh, they got murdered. And so God kind of frustrated and exasperated and said, you know, I'm going to have to send my own son here to find out what the crack is. You know, I'm going to send my family. And so they sent Jesus Christ and they killed him too. And at the end of the parable, Jesus, who's given this parable, says to the disciples, and what do you think is the end of these people? And essentially, Peter, I think it was, replied and said that, uh, well, they shall be utterly destroyed. These wretched people should be utterly destroyed. And Jesus said, you say, well, and that's what will happen. And that was an, an analogy to the final straw when they killed the, the, the son and that the, they would be utterly destroyed was basically talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, which Jesus prophesied uh, by the Romans in AD 70, which the book of Revelation talks about. And, um, I, just for my clarification, because I'm new to I'm new to this, but. Uh, didn't wasn't the uh, the vineyard owner he sent he sent people who were, who were being beaten, but it was when he sent his son that the son was murdered. Was that was that how it was? Say that again. Say that again. The, the first people that the vineyard owner sent to check on what you know what was going on, they were beaten and came back to him, and then finally he sent his own son, and his own son was murdered. I just want a little bit of clarification, just for my own sake. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that, that they they murdered uh, not just beaten, uh, but he uh. they murdered they murdered everyone uh, okay. because they did. You see, the original people that in the parable that Jesus was talking about was the prophets. It was Isaiah. It was Jeremiah. Uh, it was the prophets who were considered God's people, and of course the Jews. You know, they talk about the Old Testament, but they you know, and they talk about the prophets. They killed the prophets. The, the, you know, the Jews in the Old Testament, every time God sent somebody, they killed them. Um, and then, of course, that's what this parable is about. And it was like this. The conclusion was it was an historic tale about God's relationship with ancient Israel. Okay, OK, every time I send someone to, attend, you know, to tend this vineyard to see what's going on, a, a, any fruit being born. Not only is there no fruit being born, but every time I send someone, these people kill them. And then he say, finally sends Jesus Christ and they kill him, too. Bang. Thank you very much for that that uh clarifies it for me but we're at the end but of the, the first, show no, the, the reason i bring it up is because this is orthodox christian uh theology and eschatology and yet we, we still have people affirming i don't understand why they're affirming the jews of the right to this place i mean it's a, to me it, it's a it's a spitting in the face of jesus christ quite frankly it's like why do they these people who, are, who have no connection they're in no covenant and people say well you know we I, don't, I condemn what they're doing over there, but they've got the right to that land. No, they don't. They do not have the right to that land. No way. And it was a, far from being a divine mandate for that land. They, they have a divine, you know, non-right to that land. They were kicked off that land. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me, Paul. Thank you, Patrick. And I'll be back again tomorrow with another exciting episode of National Bugle Radio.